Okay, let's just bow our heads and then we can get started. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you um, for bringing us all here. Um, I wasn't sure about how the numbers would be, but we actually have quite a lot of us here with us. So I just thank you for that. Um, and I just pray that this Bible study today will be um, good, it'll be helpful, um, it'll be spirit-led, um, and that we can get some good lessons for our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, guys. So, what did we do last week? Elijah. Elijah, right? And who is the king um, who who Elijah was, who, who whose reign Elijah was under? Ahab. Ahab, right? So basically, Ahab was a king, what you see in the blue, the king of Israel. Um, I'm hoping you guys can see the, the picture that's there. But um, he was in the blue, he was the king of, of Israel. And during the same time as Ahab, you read that there was the king um, of Judah. And that's who we're going to read about today. There was actually a few kings of Israel while um, this king of Judah was reigning. Um, as he reigned 40 odd years. Um, but this was towards the very beginning of Ahab's reign, was kind of the end of this king's reign. So um, we're kind of going slightly back a bit, but we're kind of switching over to the other kingdom. So we're going to pick up the story in Chronicles chapter 14. Chronicles, Second Chronicles, shall I say? Not just Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter fourteen. Um, and we're going to read about a king called King Asa. Now, I don't know if everyone has kind of read about King Asa. Um, he's probably not one of the household names um, of kings that we read about. However, he does have quite a lot of real estate in the Bible in terms of. He has like three chapters that are around his story, which is quite a lot compared to some of the other kings that um, you read in Chronicles, which must be for a reason, right? So um, who is King Asa? Does anyone know who King Asa is in terms of um, his lineage? Anybody? No? Okay. Well, King Asa is Rehoboam's grandson. Yeah? So he's Solomon's great-grandson and David's great-great-grandson. Yeah? So he's um, the kings of Judah come from David's line. And we'll find out that actually the kings of Judah have kind of like a 50-50 split of them being decent kings versus evil kings. Um because they have Jerusalem and they have the temple there, they have the priesthood, I guess they had more um, influences, spiritual influences than the Kingdom of Israel. The Kingdom of Israel is just purely, they just had bad kings through and through, right? So when we read about the Kingdom of Judah, there are some good, some bad kings as you go, right? So we're going to read about King Asa and we're going to start in chapter, sorry, chapter 14, verse 1. So... If we could read again two verses each and then we can discuss. 
So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his stead. In his days the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Cool. All right, let's look there for a second. All right, so Abijah is Asa's father, right? And we read about him in the previous chapter um, and a little bit in, in Second Kings. Abijah wasn't a good king. He, it, 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 he is referred to as following in the footsteps of his father Jeroboam, sorry, Rehoboam. And we know Rehoboam um, brought idols into Israel and all the rest of, uh, sorry, to Judah and all the rest of it. So um, Abijah did exactly the same thing, right? So he wasn't a good king. But we see in the first couple of verses that somehow Asa was a good king. So where do we think he got this his influence from? Because you would have thought that now two generations of having pretty bad kings in, in Judah, somehow Asa has become a good king and he sought, he was did good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Where does that come from? From Solomon, I'm guessing. From Solomon, boy, so Amber knows, Amber right? From Solomon, so right, so Asa, right, would be reading about Solomon. He was like Solomon was his role model, right? So even though his father and his grandfather did a load of nonsense, he would probably, I don't know if the proverbs were were ready at hand at those days, but he would be reading about his um, great grandfather, um, and he understood his wisdom and. He followed in Solomon's footsteps, right? So Asa was a uh, was a good king, and he did right in the eyes of the Lord, right? Somehow he avoided the influence of his father and grandfather. Okay, let's continue. Verse three. Well, he took away the altars of the strange god and the high places, and break down the images, and cut down the groves, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, God of their fathers, and to do the law and the commandment. Also he took away out of all cities of Judah, the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. And he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Last couple of verses. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men at that bear targets and spears out of Judah 300,000 and out of Benjamin 
that bears shields and drew bows, 204 score thousand, which is 280,000. All these were mighty men of valor. Okay, so what do we know about Asa right from the beginning, these first um, eight verses? He um, got rid of all the idols and like, turned the people of Judah back to God. Cool. He got rid of all the idols and turned the people of Israel back to God, right? 100%. Sorry, Reese, can I have the chapter again? Uh, chapter 14. Uh, Second Chronicles, yeah? Second Chronicles, yeah. Thank you. So he turned um, the... The idols back, um, back he took away all the idols, took away the, the high places and etc., and um, brought Israel back to worshiping the true God of Israel. Right? What What else do we know? Um, they've also um, peace in this time. They don't have to fight their enemies in war. Right, so because he did, um, because Asa did good in terms of what he did with um, with the with the idols, etc., and that he followed God's commandments, that God gave him peace. Right, there was no war. Yeah. So, what did he do with that peace? He built cities. He built cities, and what else did he do? got himself an army got himself an army but what did he do specifically with the cities specifically reading in verse 7 oh so he's like fortified the city he fortified them right yeah yeah so it's think about it time of peace there's no war and yet Asa is fortifying his cities like he's preparing for war, right? There's no, he knows that there's peace, and yet he's using the time of peace to say, you know what, I'm not going to sit down and um, enjoy myself and, and, I don't know, drink and all the rest of it that the kings of previous times would have done. But he said, you know what, I'm going to take this time that God has given me and prepare myself Right? How, how how much how much of the, we we know right that life is going to start getting difficult for Christians? We know that. How much time do we take preparing like extra prepared, fortifying walls? It was a time of peace. He had no reason. He had no need. Let me not say reason. He had no need to do this right now. He had no need to, to prepare the armies like he did. But it's wise when there's time of peace to prepare yourself for the time of war because he knew it was coming. So every city he fortified, he built towers, he built gates, he built bars, he built walls. Um, and he was ready for when whatever calamity would come. Right, he was wise listening to, to Solomon, right, and his wisdom. 
Cool. All right, let's continue. Verse 9. Then Sarah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and he came to Maresha. So Asa went out against him, and they set the troops in battle array in the valley of Sephata uh, at Maresha. So just just um, as we keep on um, filling up, if we see from our map, right, this, this kingdom, like the Ethiopian kingdom, um, as Zero is coming from like the southwest of our map. So it's kind of off the map, but you can imagine them coming up from Africa. So they're coming up from the southwest and kind of coming up to the southern border of, of Judah, right? And this, 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 army had a million men yeah a million men and then chariots and horses and and all this so this is an army now yeah this isn't this isn't just a little thing like that that maybe israel had been fighting them over the last few years this is now a proper right we're coming to take over army yeah okay verse 11 And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Cool. So what happened? I surprise basically said you, you can either use a lot of us or none of us, just help us. And then he did, and indeed he defeated the Ethiopians. Cool. Right. But so so let's so you could imagine the two armies are standing there, right? About to fight. Asa prays. He says, God help us. Like we can't do anything without you. We have no power. Um, you you are gonna you have all the power. You can prevail over our enemies. Please handle this for us, right? And what happens? Because we need to get what what happens is important, right? What happens? Verse, verse 12. So God showed up for them, right? He answered He answered the prayer. He showed up, he answered the prayer, right? But how did you do it? Did he even use Asa then to do this? No, that's the point, right? He didn't even need... Asa and the children of Judah and Benjamin didn't even have to fight. Right? Man prayed... The army is standing there, and it says, the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa. That means, like, it's happening, 
Like, I'm standing here and it's happening before me. Right? So Asa prayed. The army is there ready to fight, saying, right, because God is on our side, we'll fight and we'll win. And God comes and just smites the Ethiopians right there. So much so that they're running away and the army then goes and chases them. Right? God did everything. There was no like there was no fight, there was no battle, there was no struggle, there was no nothing. Asa prayed and God came and delivered. That was it. And so what is what is God trying to tell his people right here? What is God trying to tell us? Uh, the text comes to mind, which is like Exodus fourteen fourteen, which yeah. says the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Amen. Right. The Lord will fight for you. Right. But there's got, but, but there's a, there's a, um, there's a caveat to that. Right. God only came through like that because of what? And there's two things here, but w- what particularly? Uh, because they were being faithful to him. Because it was faithful. Like, Asa could have said, you know what, we've, although they've got a million people, hey, we've got, like, 680,000. 600 I mean, you know, we can still handle ourselves. Like, let's go fight. Could have said that, right? However, he trusted in God. Why did Asa trust in God? Because in the little things, in the peace that he had before, he had built up, his um his obedience from with God before he had built his foundations with God before he had fortified his cities right so now when it was time that the battle actually happened Asa was ready to trust in God so now yes God God will fight your battles but you have to have faith you have to say that prayer if you don't say that prayer you go straight in thinking oh I'll be able to do it then what room has God to fulfill his promises Okay, so God smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Right, verse 13. And Asa and, Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto together, and the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil, and they smote all the cities round about together. For the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. And just to finish, they spoke also the tents of cattle 
and carried away sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. So success, right? These people came for a battle and they, oh, they got one. God, you know, did some miraculous work and um, the King Asa, they took their plunder, they got all their stuff and they brought it back to Jerusalem. So happy days, right? What were we thinking about King Asa at this point? What do you think about King Asa? Guys, you're gonna have to speak to me a bit more here. <laughs> like... uh, that he's God fearing. That he's God fearing, yeah. Like, what would you, like, would you want to be under a king like King Asa? Mm-hmm. I guess so. Yes, yeah. Really. With his experience with God, he shared that with the people and the people became stronger and would have trusted God more too. For sure, right? For sure. So King Asa is a good king. Like, King Asa's brought God back into Israel. He's just won a battle against the Ethiopians. You just got all this plunder. Like, King Asa's doing the job. He probably, like, he's fortified all the cities. You feel safe. Like, King Asa is, at this point, a very, very good king, right? Especially compared to some of the kings we've been read, read about already. Right, so King Asa is doing the job. Chapter 14, you're thinking, yeah, King Asa, yeah, he's doing all right. Okay, let's continue. Right? Chapter 15. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of so, and, and the spirit of God came upon me. <laughs> um, Nathan, go ahead. I think you can read that. Oh, That's fine. Nathan, Nathan, go ahead. I just know that there's going to be background noise with me. I came my son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be a friend. He will be fond of you. If ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Someone else can take from that. Now for a long season, Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble, they turned unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him who was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries, and the nation was destroyed of of nation and the city of city, and God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Azza heard these words and the prophecy of Oded, the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Jude and Benjamin. Chapter 16. 
or like out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Okay, cool. Let's um let's stop there. Let's unpack this, right? So what 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 just happened there? So they've just had this great victory over the Ethiopians, then what just happened? Question, where did this Azariah person come from? That just pop out of nowhere. Azariah. Um it's like what what we'll find, right, out of um within kings and the chronicles and through these kingdoms of Israel and Judah that God is working with people um, and with his prophets and with his people like seemingly randomly so even Elijah we see um, from last week we saw Elijah just came on the scene and told um, Ahab about himself right Uh, or this from a couple weeks ago a prophet came out of um of some of nowhere to tell Jeroboam about himself. And it's just like, God has his people just on tap. Whenever a king needed some, some advice or some retribution or whatever it would have been, God had a prophet, a, a man, a, a woman, someone who was able to say, look, go tell X, Y, Z to, to do X, Y, Z. So this is where um, Azariah came from seemingly out of nowhere, but God always has been working on these people. But yeah, so let's continue. What happened? Isn't Azariah basically saying, oh, but before you, like, there were all these things happening, like, the people didn't really trust that God was the the true God and all these things get happening to them. But now that you're here, like, keep doing what you're doing, basically, and you'll be rewarded. Yeah, basically. It's a, it's a message of encouragement, right? It's saying, and, it's, and if we unpack it a bit more, it's kind of giving us an idea into the character of God. So... Azariah is saying, look, as Abigail said, there's been a lot of kings that have gone through at this point. And, and just with the histo- history of Israel, even if we go back to just after Joshua and we go through all of the judges and then we go through the kings that have been, um, Israel has been in through a long, it's a cool, talks about long seasons, long times without God, where they've gone into idol worship or they've gone into this or gone into that. However, whenever they have sought God, they have found him. What does it tell us about God? He's never moved away from them. He's never moved away from them. We've in 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 these Sorry, did someone say something? No? Okay. Um in these studies, right, we've always taken it from kind of the perspective of um the character that we're studying. So when we did David, we looked at David and we looked at what his feelings would have been like and his motivations for what he did, etc. Um, we looked at Solomon, we looked at, at Saul, we looked at all, all of these characters we've gone through, even when we looked at some of the judges and we looked at um, Samson and we looked at um, Gideon, we, 
we haven't really fully got to um, or really discussed everything in terms of Israel's history from God's point of view. God is looking at Israel and he's been with Israel from the time of Abraham, right? All the way down to now. And there has been more than enough opportunity for God to say, you know what, I'm done. They haven't kept my covenant. They haven't stayed as my people. I'm just going to go pick up him and, and find another Abraham to do this with. He could have said that. It was well within his rights to say that. But God is so merciful. The amount of times we see, especially when we look at the kingdom of Israel, the amount of kings that go through the kingdom of Israel and just do nonsense after nonsense after nonsense after nonsense, killing God's prophets, um, turning people into... For, we read about Jeroboam, who had the who had the uh, audacity to put up two golden calves and say these are the these are the gods that took you out of Egypt. But God is still working with them over and over and over and over again. And we look at our lives, and I don't know about you guys, but for me, God is doing the same. He hasn't changed. So when we this text, it says. Um, it says when they were in trouble and they turned to him and sought him, he was found. So that means even if in the time of peace, which Asa actually did in the time of peace, he fortified his ease and he stayed close to God and he did what he was supposed to do, took out all the idols. But even when the people didn't do that, and then they and then they sought him in the time of their weakness, God still came through. This is how much this is how much God wanted to work with these people. This is how much God loves us. Even when you've spent time, a long time in your nonsense, he's still there ready with a helping hand. So we always have, I, I, I guess, let me talk for myself. I always have this perspective after you've sinned, it's difficult to, um, to go back to God. Um, it's difficult to, to um, accept your sinful state and and kind of think that God is going to accept you and it's all it's all okay you feel feel guilty and all the rest of it we need to accept the biggest thing we need to accept is our sinfulness when it comes to this idea of the gospel and of grace we need to accept our sinfulness for what it is and know that grace is more powerful than your sinfulness Doesn't matter how sinful, and we've and we've got through each of these stories. I keep on exaggerating, not exaggerating, but um, putting putting um, putting a lot of meaning on how sinful sin is, how it, it crept in with Solomon, and now the whole, he became a tyrant, and the whole kingdom is messed up. Now the whole kingdom is split because of Solomon's sin. Right? How bad sin can be. However, grace is better. Grace is more powerful. And the, and the better we get at looking at our sin and accepting our sinful nature and going to God with our sinful nature, the more it is likely that we're going to change. Because just, that's just who God is. Okay. 
Any other points on that before we continue? No? Okay. Let's um, start verse 9. Sorry, um, where are we reading from? Uh, chapter 15, Second Chronicles, chapter 15, verse 9. Verse 9. And the Spirit of God came unto Azariah, Azariah, the son of Obed. Sorry, sorry, chapter 15, verse 9. Oh, verse 9, I'm sorry. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out out of Simeon. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with them. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month and in the 15th year of the reign of Azar. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their hearts and with all their songs. That whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they, for they had sworn uh, with all their heart and sought him with all their soul. And he was found by, by them, and the Lord gave them rest all around. Also he removed Makkah, the mother of Asa, the king, from being the queen mother, because she had made an obscene image of Asherah, and Asa cut down her obscene image then crushed and burned it uh, by the brook of Kidron. But the high places were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Azar was perfect all his days, and he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he, he himself had dedicated silver and gold and vessels, and there was no more war until the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Azar. Cool. So, what was what, what was Ace's response to um to what um Azariah has told him? That's what I said, look, if you stay with God, if you keep his commandments, like he'll look after you, um, stay close with him, seek him and you'll find him, all of this kind of stuff. And what did what did Asa do?
He's doing exactly that, isn't he? He's giving sacrifices back to God. Um, he's taking away idols from his mother and making sure that the whole land is following what God says. Yeah, exactly. So he took he took the message on board. He was like, yeah, no problem. And he took out all the idols once again, made sure all of the idols were cleaned out. Um, he even... He, what did he do with his mother? He stopped her from being queen. <laughs> he took yeah, he took his mother from being queen mother, which is what she was because he, he was his mother, uh, and he took her position away because she put idols up there. She put idols up, and he was like, nope, and he took away her position. So Asa, at this point, you're thinking, boy, this guy is dedicated. Not only he, he said, look, if you worship another god, there's gonna be it's gonna be punishable by death. There's going to be no idols up in this place. My mum did it and I took her down. So don't think I'm not going to take anyone else down. Like, even within his own family, he was strict, he was strict with this. Right, he was, he was on point. So Asa, we're two chapters in now. Uh, king Asa is being a very good king in my estimations. God even came to encourage him as a prophet and he took it on board and he continued his work. And for 35 years... Asa was in peace. Right, there was no war in Israel for those 35 years of his reign. However, who saw the title of today's study? Now, um, finishing strong. Finishing strong, right? <laughs> finishing strong. Uh, we're going to see the importance of finishing strong right now. Okay, so um, let's go to chapter 16, verse 1. So he's had 35 years of peace, yeah? Okay, let's continue. Um, 16, verse 1. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, went up to went up against Judah and fortified Ramah to prevent anyone from leaving or entering the territory of Asa, king of Judah. As Asa, Asa then took the silver and gold out of the treasuries of the Lord's temple and of his own place, palace, and sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who was ruling Damascus. Let there be let there be a treaty between me and you, he said, as there was a, uh, as there was between my father and your father. See, I am sending you silver and gold. Now, now break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so he will be, so he will withdraw from me. Okay, cool. All right. So, um, if we look at our map on the screen, right? Um. So Basha, we, we read about Basha, right, in um, in Second Kings, and that was one of the kings just before Ahab. Okay, so this is just in the time before Ahab becomes king, and this is now the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah. So Basha, um, who is king of um, Israel, almost is like he is seeing how good and how nice life is in the kingdom of Judah, and he doesn't like it. They had 35 years of peace. Um, King Asa has been doing all, all good things. God is with him. Um, it even talks about in 
verse um, nine, that other tribes, other people from other tribes started to come down to Judah because they realized that Asa was, was doing bits with God and they wanted a part of it. And so he was even started to lose his kingdom, right? Because of how good the kingdom of Judah was being. Yeah, so he, he so, and, and he didn't like it. So he went um, down and built in Ramah. Now Ramah is like on the coast of the two kingdoms. So you can, you can say it's like, like to the left of Jericho or just underneath Betel, right? So basically just on the border. And he starts fortifying this city that he's built, right? So he starts to bring his garrisons there and the armies there, um, like he's about to attack, right? And we've seen this before, right? In, where, where have we seen this before? Where have we seen this before? Well, where has Asa seen this before? His, his father? Not his father. We read it um, a minute ago at the start of the story. Um, with the Ethiopians. With the Ethiopians, right? So the Ethiopians, this is a similar um, thing that's happening. Like an, another nation wants to come and fight. Um, and so they're on the borders. Um, and Asa is like, right, there's, there's this, the kingdom of Israel wants to come to attack, right? We've seen this before, same situation, yeah? Okay, and then what happens? What did um, Asa just read in verse three? What, um, what happened for verse two and verse Um, so, um, Aeus was trying to form some kind of treaty with the king of Syria, who already has a treaty with the king of Israel, but he's trying to basically get the king of Syria to be allies with him instead of the king of Israel, so that, um, Basha, the king of Israel, is, like, forced to withdraw. Cool. Brilliant, right? So... The, the king of Syria, you can see like the Assyrian Empire at the top right hand corner. So um, northeast of Israel. Yeah. So Asa, king of Judah, sent messages and gold and silver up to the Syrian um, Empire and talked to the king and said, look, um, to Damascus. So you can see Damascus is there in, in the Assyrian Empire. And said, look, I've got an issue. Um, Basha is um, causing me problems and I need you I need you to forget your treaty with him. Here's some money. Let's create a treaty and you attack him and therefore he's gonna leave me alone. He's gonna have to worry about you. So he's not he's not gonna have to there's not gonna be any issue with him trying to come and fight Judah. Yeah. Cool. Let's continue. First of all. And then had dad hearkened unto King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. 
and they smelt what Ejon, yeah, and Dan and Abelman and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Basha heard it that he left off building of Rama and let his work cease. Verse 6, then King Asa took all Judah, and they carried away the stones and timber of Ramah, which Basha had used for building, and with them he, he built Geba and Mesva. And at that time, Hanani, the, the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the, the Lord your God. Therefore, the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Great. Let's look there. So, <laughs> what happened? So King Asa sent this this um, convoy, this caravan to to Damascus to ask for the Assyrians' help. And what happened? Didn't the king of no Ben Hadad took the stuff that Asa gave him and basically sent his army to fight. This in the cities of Israel. So that yes. we'll back off. Great, right? So Benadad said, yep, yeah, no problem. Took the gold, took the silver, told his army generals, right, go go ahead, go go fight, um, go fight Israel. They went down, plundered a few cities, um, fought a few, um, took a few cities, took their plunder, etc. Um, and when Basha heard of this, he thought, oh, I've got to go defend my country. So he left Ramah where he was building to to um to challenge the kingdom of Judah and he went back up right to defend his kingdom and Judah was 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 fine. Now what do you think Asa was thinking at this point? Uh his problem solved now. Problem solved. Problem solved. I worked this out brilliantly. What do you mean? So the, the kingdom that was going to fight me, I all I had to do is send a bit of gold and silver to someone. They handled the situation for me, and now everything's calm again. Back to peace. Yeah. Asa's thinking, boy, I'm some. I really took some things from Solomon. Boy, me, boy, I got the wisdom I have right here. Yeah. Probably sat sat him down. Have probably had a nice little feast. Was, was all cheery with his advisors, he was probably well happy. Yeah, I thought nothing was wrong. But yeah, that's, that's what the king of Judah should be doing, making decisions like this. This is what Asa was thinking in his head. Yeah, okay. Then what happened? Verse, what happened in verse 7? It says, um, at that time, Hananiah, Han, um, the seer, what's the seer?
What's the Sith? I don't know what the series. I know it, but I can't form the words. Okay, well, a seer is 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 um, synonymous with a prophet, right? So um, back in the day, you may have seen Samuel being called um, a seer, but he was also a prophet. Um, and like they're the the words that are kind of um, synonymous. So sometimes they would use seer, sometimes they would use prophet. Yeah. Um, similar to someone saying, um, like, a manner of God came. It's all, all synonymous terms, right? So a seer comes, and what did, what did the prophet tell him? What did the prophet tell the king? Ask that because you went to someone else. You relied on the king of Syria instead of relying on God. But the king of Syria has left, basically. Cool. So, but but is what is isn't that a bit confusing? So God. So the, the prophet comes over and says, "Look, because you didn't pray to me about the situation, you went to the king of Syria. The king of Syria has escaped. Why is that confusing?" Uh, because he wasn't um, fighting uh, Syria at the time. He yeah, wasn't fighting King of Syria. I've got no problem with the King of Syria. What do you mean? <laughs> the King of Syria has escaped. What was God actually trying to say here? God was... Uh, uh, I'm thinking that God was trying to say, why are you going and making friends with my enemies? 100%, right? Why are you making God's, um, Why are you making friends with my enemies? But what also is God trying to say by saying the king of Syria escapes? You no longer have a treaty with him. Um, not that you no longer have a treaty with him. Actually, you have a treaty with him, which is the problem. But he's saying you shouldn't have... Um, you shouldn't have made a league of him. You should have just... Well, you know, the Assyrians are my enemies. You should have attacked them. Agreed, right? So God, God is almost saying, look, if you had come to me with this problem, not only would I have sorted out Bassa, I would have, I would have given you the Assyrian kingdom as well. That was in my plans. We would have just gone from, from, from Bassa and then straight to Assyria and they would all be sorted. But now you've made the treaty with them. Okay, let's continue. Let's continue with the, uh, the the rebuke. Can I quickly ask where we are? Um, verse 8, chapter 16, verse 8. Thank you. Verse 8. When, when not the Cushites and Libyans, a mighty army with great numbers of chariots and horsemen, Yet when you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hands. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You have done a foolish thing. And now, and from now you, from now on, you will be at war. Asa was angry. Asa was angry with this seer because of this. 
He was so enraged that he was putting he put him in prison. At the same time, Asa briskly oppressed some of the people. Okay, what do we, what do we? Why do we think Asa was angry? He didn't get his way. He didn't get his way. Yeah. Well, okay. Put it this way, right? We've just read throughout the his life. We've read about um, his his reign. He's had thirty five years of peace, um, and then this situation comes up. And in his mind, he worked it out pretty well. Then this prophet comes up and tells him what we just read. And he's angry. Why do we think he's angry? Because he was expecting to have the same peace that he had last time. Because he won. But now it's a whole different story. Yeah, for sure. What else? Maybe he's thinking as well from the perspective that, I don't know, like he's he's always relied on God in the past, like what we've read and Maybe it's just this one kind of little error. So a quick question that I have is, is he angry with the prophet or is he angry with God? What do you think? Because God, you know, the prophet is relaying... um, the prophet is relaying God's information to him and he's actually, we see in verse 9 that he's reminding him of the fact that God has shown up mightily for you in the past and God actually delights to show up for his people um, that obviously follow him and that are seeking him. But the fact that you've done this thing, from now on you will have words. Was this God saying that he's, he's forsaking them? I don't think it was. It was just saying, you know, the, the thing is, you started something now, though. You shall have wars. The same way that, um, you know, might not be the best comparison, but Adam, Adam and Eve, you know, the wages of sin is death. It wasn't a case of, I have forsaken you and I'm not going to be with you anymore, but it can't be like it was. Yeah. Um, And I guess that maybe, you know, I'm hearing people's points when they're saying, as I had enjoyed peace before this, and I'm not going to lie, it was beautiful for us to see because all, we, all we've been seeing so far is this king did evil in the sight of the Lord. This king did good in the sight of the Lord. And all of a sudden, the next chapter, oh, he does a madness. And, you know, it's just kind of like seeing everyone switch up. But now we've kind of like seen Asa's time. Um, and it's just, I guess, one of these reinforcements of God is, you know, we, um, verse 9 for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those of them whose heart is perfect towards him mm-hmm. and we, we've seen that in these chapters but it's a shame that it's had to happen I feel like he's angry at himself too because you know when you know when you're angry and you take it out on someone else I feel like that's what's happening as well like he's realised mm. the mistake that he's made as so an eye because this seer also recognises that he made a mistake as well. He's able to Asa take it out on him and also the people. That's just a thought. True, and isn't, isn't that just, you know, I'm, but definitely, and just isn't that that thing of like, when we're angry with ourselves, sometimes we can't like be around people or anything. People are trying to come and tell us stuff and just like, go get out of here. Um, you know, we don't necessarily seek people out because... 
you know, it's, it's very common for our race to spill out into our interactions with other people. Yeah, do, do you know what? It's a similar thing with um, Elijah. And even though, like, the king didn't really know God, Elijah brought a message from God, and yet he was trying to kill Elijah with that message. As Don't well. you? You know? <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. Yeah, I'm also thinking about um, when we did David earlier and Nathan the prophet came and told him that he had done something wrong. We see how David, instead of um, being upset with Nathan for rebuking him, he um, was sorry for for what he'd done. And we see in Psalms where he um, writes his uh, repentance in there. Uh, But... With this king, um, he's he's the one in the wrong, but he gets angry at the prophet for rebuking him. And we can also compare it to ourselves sometimes, maybe when um, someone points out something that we've done wrong or we realise that we've done something wrong. Um, do we get angry at God or do we get angry at other people or, or do we, we turn away from what we've done wrong? Andrew, I love that, bro. The comparison was the comparison was great. Um, I'm wondering, guys. So, is it what? What is it? What is it that causes that? Is it pride that causes us to become angry at someone for telling us where we've messed up? Because we we see it. Obviously, you know, if you don't see it, then no one can really tell you anything. But when we see that we've messed up, and someone tells us about it, and we've become well, and we get angry at them. Is that pride? Because, because you know, we, you know, we we've done this wrong, but now because Sister A, Brother B is telling <laughs> you know what you've done, and you don't want to hear it from them. But hey. maybe because at first Asa thought what he did was right. So if someone tell if you think what you've done is right, and then someone tells you now you're actually wrong. Like that, that's just going to make you annoyed and angry. So, of course, you're going to lash out at the person because you thought you did the right thing. Oh, let me let me go even deeper with this with you guys, right? I love this discussion, but let's go a step further. And I love the comparison with David, right? So, let me deal with that first. As Amber was saying, David felt bad um, and Ainsworth before. David felt bad because, um, or, or accepted his sin straight away because he saw his sin straight away. As soon as Nathan had told him the story and he said, you were that man, his, his sin was right in front of him. He had nowhere to go. He couldn't be angry at anyone because he, he, he saw it was obvious to him where he was wrong. Obvious. With King Asa, it wasn't obvious. He didn't, he didn't get it. He didn't get why... This was a bad scenario. He thought he had done what was right. He thought, I've been wise here. I've been shrewd. I've used two enemies against themselves. Look at me. Um, this is what kings should be about. Uh, you know, I've been so wise here. Solomon would be proud. All of this kind of thing. When actually, he should have just trusted in God. Right? And he couldn't see it. So that's number one why he didn't. Um, he, he was angry or he couldn't accept this. Going deeper, 
I feel he couldn't really accept, he didn't like the punishment of right now you're going to have wars for the rest of your life. Because if we read through our Ace's story, we've gone through two chapters where it seems like he's done everything right. He's, he came into an idolatrous nation and he cleaned it up. His father and his grandfather brought idols into the kingdom. He cleaned it up. He said, you know what? No, we're going to clear this out. We're going to we're going to sort that out. We're going to take away all the idols. We're going to build up the cities. We're going to fortify them. We're going to make everyone safe. Um, when the king, when when someone came to fight, he trusted in God, and God sorted that situation out. And he continued to to he got plunder and he got riches, and he he continued to prosper the nation. He when a prophet came, he listened to the prophet, and he continued to take out idols. He even rebuked his own mother for doing idol worship. And you feel like Asa at this point feels like he's got money in the bank. I've got money in the bank with God. And so this situation comes out, which he feels to himself, like it's nowhere, the bad that is in this situation is nowhere near the good that he's done elsewhere. But God, for the last 35 years, I've been so good. Why are you giving me a punishment now? This is why he's angry. He feels like the prophet and God should give him a pass. It wasn't really that bad. I've been so good all these years. And we need to understand, there's a a text, um, I believe it's in Proverbs, but someone could challenge me on that, um, that says, a righteous man falls down seven times, gets up seven times. But a wicked man falls down once. And so this is why I labelled this study finishing strong. Because although your start is really important, your finish is more important. And so let's let's continue the story because um, there's a little bit more before we can um, end on the discussion of that point. So um, let's read from verse, um, where did we get to? Verse 10. I'll just read 10 and 11. Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in prison in a prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa became deceased in his feet, and his malady malady was severe um, yet in his disease he did not seek the Lord but the physicians so Asa re- re- um, rested with his fathers he died in the, in the 41st year of his reign cool last verse 
They buried him in his own tomb, which he had made for himself in the city of David. And they laid him in the bed, which was filled with spices and various ingredients prepared in a mixture of ointments. They made a very great burning for him. Great. So, what did we just say the last few verses there? Maybe it's not my place, but I've kind of lost hope faster. Um, you know, we're seeing that he became sick. Um, well, you know, he became angry, almost bitter maybe. And um, he oppressed some of the people. I don't know if that's hinting towards some type of tyranny, coming like Solomon, um, or something else. But he became sick. And in his sickness, knowing all the things that God had done for him in the past, he decided to seek out the NHS um, instead. And yeah, he died. Great, great. And so, yeah, so this idea of finishing strong, right? What do you guys think about this idea of finishing strong? What do you, when I, when I, when, after reading the story and, and seeing, um what happened in the life of King Essa. Uh, what what do you guys think about this idea of finishing strong? Um what's coming to mind is that it doesn't look like he did. It kind of looks like he may finish weak, started stronger. Agreed, he didn't finish strong. Right, but then what, what does that mean for us in terms of finishing strong? We're even less likely. <laughs> We're even less likely. You, got, you can't, just, can't just meet your mic after that. You've got to unpack that a bit. Well, put it this way. I always remember, and lately this verse has been coming to me a lot, the one that says we're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Like, there is no, there is no part of us that is good in and of itself the only good bits we have come from our communication our time spent with god in it so asa was trying to be a good king in it but even with all his trying to be a good king he still made mistakes what does that say for us people who we love to procrastinate things put it off to another another day or we love to debate whether doing it this way is right or this way is right which is going to get me the most you know results we wouldn't have had the best interest of a kingdom in our heart therefore i don't think we would have done any better at all okay deep so we're not even at the level of, of asa to be to we, we, we haven't even started strong, so finishing strong is, Listen, is, is a different if thing. If we started strong, it would be nice. But how, in reality, how many of us are starting strong? I mean, on a personal level, I feel like I had a very, not a strong start, but a very nicely grounded beginning in my life when it came to religion and faith and that, yeah? As mm. I've got older, my road has become bumpy because the things that were enough to satiate my hunger and my desire for knowledge as a child are not the same now. So the things I'm looking for, the ways I'm looking to see God work, sometimes it's the ways I'm looking to see him work, but sometimes the ways in just which he works are so far from what we expect that even when we do see it, it bypasses us. 
sometimes we can miss it, you know. Real talk, we miss it. Do you know how many of God's blessings we miss on a daily? Sometimes you look out your window and there would be a blessing there waiting for you, but because you're not willing to give God the time, you're going to miss the blessing. Can I say, can I say something quick? Go ahead. Um, uh, it's a bit of a sticky one. Like, I think that's very black and white to say that we're less likely because even though we may not have, like, started out as strong as Asa I think that he has I'm trying to think of a way to word this his first kind of upset with God um, it just went downhill from there and he never returned to God and I don't know about you guys, but there's been times where I've been upset with God and I've even turned away from God, but I've still come back. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm mm. not finished yet, but like that terms of finishing strong, like it's like sometimes you get upset with God, but at least I mean, turn away from God, but at least we come back. And Asa started off good, but he may, I mean, this is not mentioned, but he may have never like known what it was like to turn away from God and like, feel redeemed Mm. and feel that forgiveness and like you know that whole uplifting process of like coming back to God once you once you know that you've done wrong he never even got to experience that because he got one little um adverse okay it's not a little thing but he got one adverse thing from God and then he was like oh that's it but a lot of us don't actually do that like we get adverse things well we say adverse things from God in our eyes it seems like adverse things from God but then like the beauty of like the Holy Spirit and God's grace is that we still come back to him and we don't see that with him do you know what I mean so could be less likely but I don't disagree with you but Asa did one thing wrong is the fact that he gave up in it like (laughs) yeah why 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 did you give up I mean really and truly if I wanted to I could have given up years ago you guys wouldn't be talking to me now you get me it's a simple thing the giving up is where the danger lies because at the moment I give up, I no longer believe in God to be able to do anything for me. And it's not like I, I have a perfect relationship. I struggle with that anyway because sometimes life is just difficult. And I mean, for real, my life has not been easy, but I'm still here, I'm still fighting, I'm still trying to get to know him, though it feels like I'm talking to a brick wall sometimes, but you get me. We, we put in the effort. And I always just remember, nothing worthwhile in this world is going to be easy. I'm so scared to go to heaven because do you know what that means I'm going to have to go through? You know, I, let, let, me tell, let me give you this, right? Um, may have not had the same start as King Asa did, right? King Asa had a good 35 years of being a very good king. I mean, if he stayed on that trajectory, you could you could make an argument he's the best king that, that Judah's ever seen, right? However, your start, how you, how you started, uh, doesn't actually matter. 
doesn't matter. When God looks at looks at your judgment, as I said with that text, it's how you finish. So when I say it doesn't matter, obviously the actions that you do, the fact that you did good for Israel obviously matters. He, he did a lot of good. But in terms of his soul salvation, it doesn't matter. And that's a good thing. Because if it did matter, as you said, Daniel, um, because we haven't been that good, we'd be struggling to ever meet up, like to redeem some of the actions that we, we have done in our past. If it was about redemption from our end, it would be, we'd be done out. Exactly. Imagine if you had to make up for all of your sins. Imagine. Just um, what, I can't even think about what that would even look like. To make up for all of your sins. Like, it would be ridiculous. So thank God that that isn't the case. However, the double-edged part of that sword is the fact that your past doesn't matter. That means all of the good that you've ever done, be it being part of a Bible study, being taking a Bible study, being praying, being in a relationship with God, being it um, helping other people, being doing things in church, being attending church, being whatever good things you attribute to your life at this point, none of it actually matters in the same way that none of your bad stuff matters. And so what this idea of finishing strong means is, oh great, if on my deathbed I could... Um, I could pray to God and ask for um, to be redeemed or that, great, right? But what's the problem with that? There's, two, there's actually two problems with that. What's the, what's, two, what's, what's the two problems with that logic? To say, oh, on my deathbed, I'll just sort it out then. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if... Um these are the two problems that you're thinking of, but I can think of two. Okay. Um, one, you never know when that day is going to be or how it's going to be. That's definitely um, one, yeah. And two, people are making the assumption that, that their heart can just turn so easy back to God. Like, if you've been living your whole life with, like, your heart, like, close mm. to God, like, you're making that assumption that you can just so easily open up your heart, like, on that last day. Beautiful. Maz, hit, this, hit, hit it on the head, right? Number one, you don't know when you're going to die. So you're hoping that somehow you die of old age or of a terminal illness or something where you have time to somehow make things right, right? But what if you die in a car crash or, or, or at a heart attack or something where you don't have the time to sit there for a couple of hours and, and, and pray it out and whatever, right? Let's say that doesn't happen, then what? Right, number one. Number two, which is the more serious issue, as Mazvi you're saying, you're, you're you're assuming that having a life of sin and and disregarding God, that somehow at the end of your life you're going to be like, yeah, 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 I'll just take it now. Like your heart would be in any shape to do that. Right. So those are the two issues with waiting, like trying to do it like your last actions or or um, finishing strong in that way. So if that, can't, if that is not a realistic way to finish strong, then how do we finish strong? I want to say the finishing isn't really up to us. All we've got to do is just run at the end of the day. You have to, you have to live each day for God. So that way when the time does come, you've, you've been living the way for God anyway, so it doesn't really matter. 
For real. I'm thinking consistency. Consistency. That's it. You ha- Put it this way. You have to, or we have to, or I have to, live every day as if it was my finish. If we lived spiritually every day as if today was actually the last day and then when I sleep I I either go to heaven or go to hell, how different would you act and how different would you respond to God? If your mindset was, this day is my last day to connect with God, this is it. How different would you would you respond to things? <laughs> how much more would we be praying? How much more would we be studying? How much more would we be trying to influence people? If we really took on that mentality of this is this is the only moment that we have, and it's there's so many times in my life that I've just looked and just been like, Nathan, you worry too much you think about the future you spend active time thinking about the past and regretting and all of this stuff and it's just like guys we are we are in control well the whole point is we're trying to make god be in control but we're in control of our of ourselves at this point in time can't we, we can't speak for the future we can't speak for the past and it's really just that thing of like in a moment, you can choose to um, to you know give yourself over to God, and that may not mean that you could that you feel anything. I'm not going to lie; most of the time, it doesn't. <laughs> but you know, this idea that you can, if we're talking about like, overcoming sin, just this idea that you can be tempted to sin and feel nothing. You know, we you know we 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 have that verse that like God has made a way of escape for every sin, um, and I don't know what we're expecting to feel in that moment when we're tempted. But sometimes, uh, sometimes I guess the knowledge that it's not what God would have us do is supposed to, well, is supposed, definitely supposed to be enough. Um, do you guys mind if I read something real quick? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so this is just a paragraph from um, Steps to Christ. I can find you the chapter. Um, well, it's page 33, I believe. But yeah, it says, she says, many are quieting a a troubled conscience with the thought that they can change a course of evil when they choose, that they can trifle with the invitations of mercy and yet be again and again impressed. They think after doing despite to the spirit of grace, after casting their influence on the side of Satan, in a moment of terrible extremity, they can change their course. But this is not so easily done. The experience, the education of a lifetime has so thoroughly molded the character that few then desire to receive the image of Jesus. It is a, it's a scary thing, man. Just this idea that like we can, that, that we can like reject God out of our lives. And, and you know, obviously we say, we say, you know, we say things and I believe that a lot of these things are true. So if if you can um if you can like think to be like, oh, oh I should come to God, then you know, we, we say that you haven't got to this point. And that is I believe that is very true. But um yeah, it's just one of those things that reminds you don't procrastinate. Um somewhere else in Steps to Christ, um she talks about uh, just procrastination and just the fact that life is short and life is uncertain. And if we 
kind of realized this and it's it's not adequately understood the fact that life is short and life is uncertain and the fact that we we tend to just sit here and like just get into the habit because we always think we have time but just before i stop talking um, i'm just gonna say that i often like i feel like i feel like this year i just started thinking about the older people that i know and i'm not just talking about the older people i'm talking about just the people older than myself and just thinking about the fact that it must be deep because when you're old and you know you're gonna die soon um wow just this idea that knowing that kind of like your heart needs to be right with god at all times um because sin is something that can literally come up in a moment and if we're used to overcoming sin then it won't be a problem but if we're not used to overcoming a sin and we actually trifle with it in our mind then you know it might lead us into some negative stuff but yeah um some serious points have been made guys yeah amber you, you wanna say something yeah and just going off that point i think um i find a scripture that goes like nice along with that and it says um I mean, the last bit, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. I think that's that's so important, especially like if you if you know you're close to death. Like, it's so important that you stick with faith and be consistent because literally no one will take the crown that you receive in heaven when you're when you stay with God. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Tyler. Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, like this not it's not supposed to be like a scary thing. Like God isn't trying to trip us up. He he's not trying to make us not get to heaven or anything like that. He's given us everything. He's given us the tools. He's he's even given himself and everything like that. So it's not it's not supposed to be meant as oh a scary thing. It's supposed to be it's supposed to be of hope. And mm. it's to, it just I just want to put little reminds I've had I've had a lot of sort of fear thrown around. It's like you no, know, it's it's a hopeful thing. It's it's a promise of God and you, you just do these few simple things. And God's promise that you know you'll be rewarded. Amen. Darcio. Uh yeah, just wanted to share a verse that um really helps me out, like just staying consistent with Christ. Um Ecclesiastes 9 uh, 10 says, Whatever your fi- your your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where, where you are um, the going and um, this this verse can be taken to you know your personal work but I personally think of God's work when I when I when I think of this and to think that you know um, eventually there, there there will be a day where I could die and if I have this faith that I hold on to so daily and I don't like actually you know, go out there and do something with it, then there's literally no point. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bless me. Amber, did you have, sorry, one, was it me? I was just checking if Amber still had a hand up or was that from before? I was from before, sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Go ahead, me. Um, I was just thinking, I, you know, I remember when I was working, um, and when I was thinking about going back to study and just thinking, I kind of like started to take survey of my relationship with God and how it just 
felt almost non-existent. And I, you know, knowing or at least having read things like this and having heard sentiments like um the text that Darcy just said, I'm just shared, like just thinking, oh, so do I stop? So should I just, you know, just quit everything, just be in my house, reading my Bible, um, and you know, trying to learn of God so I can be, you know, so I can be like that. And I think now it's this moment of, you know, really taking on that thing of whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Understand that God is the most, God needs to be the most important thing. But find something for your hands to do, whatever your hands find to do, you get me? Find some work to do, whether it's work directly for God, whether it's work where you're trying to share your Christian influence for whatever you're doing, do it with your might. And also try and take God with you, try and actively involve him in the things that you're doing, whether it's studying, whether it's working, whether it's getting up every day, going to care for someone. Um, and obviously, and also this, this idea that like our Christian life is growth, isn't it? So, you know, we, it's like months ago, we talked about being babies in Christ um, and then, you know, eventually growing up and stop being on the spiritual milk, but on the hard food. Uh, it's this idea that like as much as God can change you in his time, which is, you know, not constrained to anything about us. It's just this idea that we, we learn and we grow to be like Christ. And so this idea that sometimes we have to, in a moment, we're just going to become perfect. It definitely can happen, but it is not easily done. And we should just be letting God change us from now. Thanks for, thanks for all you guys sharing. Um, just as a last thing I'd say, um, God, isn't a, God isn't a bank. So you can't spend your life putting um, good deeds as, as deposits and bad deeds as, trans, as, um, as withdrawals. And somehow at the, at the end of your life, you'll look at your balance and if it's above zero, then you're going to heaven. It's not how it works. And thank God that's not how it works. Like as Tyler said, it's a blessing that that is the situation because if, if we had to redeem all of the bad things that we have done, all of our sinful nature, it would uh, the task ahead of us would be impossible. However, the flip side to that is, it means that we need to live every day as if it were our last. As if, you know, God isn't, we need to, treat God as if he's not going to wait around forever. God is completely merciful and completely loving and he's always going to take us back. But if we treat grace in a way like it's unlimited and that, you know what, I'll just keep sinning and then somehow I'll just get grace at the end, then it will harden your heart. And so... I guess ch the challenge for this week for all of us is to try and take everything seriously, to try and make strides, not so that you can bank up your, your relationship points with God or to bank up your good deeds, but that so you're ready. Because that's ultimately what we're all striving to be, ready for when, for when Jesus comes. Um, and either that be when we die or when the, the sky breaks. Um, yeah, JD, go ahead. 
Um, it's just a quote that I came across um, recently that I really liked and I think it fits in quite well in what we're saying in terms of living each day as if it's your last and not procrastinating. And it's just, it essentially says um, procrastination is the arrogant assumption that God owes you another chance to do tomorrow what he gave you the chance to do today. Yeah, I, I saw that same post. Yeah, had to save it. In fact, that's a great. That's a great. Um, that's a great note to to finish on. Um, Tyler, do you want to pray for us to close, please? Yeah. Cool. Dear Father, I thank you for allowing us to be here to listen and partake in this Bible study today. I pray that what we have learned and what we've what you've taught us, Lord, is something that we will carry on, be able to, you know, install into our lives, Lord, to be able to actually spread this good message to our peers and to our family and friends, Lord. I pray that you help us all of our daily walks, Lord. Um, we know at times it's not easy. We don't, we don't know what each other are going through, Lord, but I pray that, you know, we all be here for each other, Lord, be able to help each other in our journey, be able to uplift, you know, continue to talk about you. And also, you know, we're on this journey individually, but we can also do it together. So I pray that you help us with what we're going through. If we need help, you know, point us in the direction we can in order to get that help, Lord, and that we may be able to help each other. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Guys, it's been blessed, yeah. Hope that everyone's having yeah. a good time. We're having a chill time at the moment, if you have time off or anything. But, yeah. Oh, good question.